Welcome everybody to episode number 10 of the Per Sources Show. As always, I'm Nick Armitage, joined by Brendan Reesing. Brendan, how you doing today, buddy? What's going on, Nick? I'm doing great. Uh, pretty crazy week, wrapping up the NFL. NBA's doing pretty well, you know, back, uh, getting up to the All-Star break. Uh, exciting time, but uh, happy to be back. Yes, sir, absolutely. And today on the uh, the Per Sources Show, we got a special guest welcoming in Michael Gelkin, uh, beat writer for the Oakland Raiders. Mike, how you doing today? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Michael. You were at the Super Bowl, right? I was there. Yep. Yeah. So, what were your what were your we did a Brendan and I did a bit of a, a takeaway thing last episode. So, what were your thoughts of the of the game just in general? Well, I expected more points than Super Bowl, so it was a surprise on both ends. So the halftime show and then the game itself. Uh, it um, the game the game was. Um, it was interesting. I wasn't surprised to see uh, the Rams not be able to, you know, score enough points. I, I thought they would have scored a little more than they did, of course. But I had some, you know, concerns. I suppose going into the game, uh, given the loss of Cooper Cup. I just you look at right. the third down efficiency and, and Jared Goff's numbers uh, over, uh, you know, past you know several handful of games. Um, it certainly was an obvious drop-off uh, where they've been missing him uh, since he went down in that torn ACL. He went down in a game against the Seahawks in the following week against the Chiefs. Goff had an incredible game, but um, soon thereafter, uh, things kind of faded a little bit, and over the course of time, Cup's absence really came to light. And so I uh, wasn't surprised in that sense to see some offensive struggles, but the depth to which we saw them, uh, that was a bit of a, so something that was not anticipated for me, um, but um, you know, it was a tight game going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you would have, uh, I think, as a, as many fans would have liked to see some more offensive, you know, production in that fourth quarter just to make it a memorable finish. Uh, but instead, uh, you get, you we walk away from the Super Bowl as we have from five other Super Bowls, which is just to appreciate what. We are seeing from the New England Patriots, in particular Bill Belichick. I think there are certain games where, uh, certainly last year, when Tom Brady throws for 505 yards in a loss, you, know, you appreciate Brady coming out of the game, even if it was a defeat. Uh, this right. game, I, I think all the credit goes to Bill Belichick and what he was able to do in two weeks' preparation. Uh, it's, yeah. he, he can make a lot with that time. Do you think, um, I got a question, do you think it was more Rams just not playing their game, or was that Bill Belichick just reading, reading their minds? I think Belichick deserves a lot of credit. Um, he is uh, he has a knack for making opponents play left-handed, you know, taking away what you do best. Although what was odd with this particular game was Sean McVay, um, and he acknowledges afterward, and you know, there was a lot of insistence that Todd Gurley wasn't that injured, fine and you know, he'd be fine for this game and he would lead the backfield in touches but we saw uh, something that suggested less than that or certainly uh, his usage uh, you know Todd Gurley being the best weapon you could argue that the Rams have uh, not being as involved as many anticipated so uh, it's kind of a, a complex type of a breakdown of a game just because of the usage there um, but um, I, I do think it probably starts with Belichick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my takeaway from the game, well, really what I was shocked about was just kind of how the the Patriots defensive line really dominated that Rams offensive line. I mean, look, over the course of the whole year, we saw that Rams line pretty much dominate everyone they they met. 
And uh, we saw that the week before, or two weeks before in New Orleans. And that's kind of what won in the game there, protected Goff really well. It just seems like in the Super Bowl, Goff had no time. And like you were like you were mentioning, Michael, that you know, the loss of Cooper Cup definitely affected them. Yeah, if he would have just made you know a couple more throws, the entire game is different. I think it's one of those games where you know, sometimes you have to win ugly. And yeah. you, there, there's those moments that come along, you know, there's a couple plays, and obviously the one where he's late in the end zone, which I believe Brandon Cooks. Right, Cooks, yeah. And, McC- and McCourty covers ground and is able to get there in time. You know, the ball was not only too late, but just too much air on it. Um, you know, those types of plays just, you know, are, are what, 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 what kind of can break things. And uh, unfortunately, Jared Goff, you know, didn't convert on that one and then the interception late in the fourth quarter when they were driving. Rams did not run, I believe, a single play in the red zone. And, but meanwhile, the Patriots, I believe, had one play. Yeah, they had was one. was a two-yard yeah. touchdown run following the Robert Kowski long catch. So um, an unusual game. That's probably Super Bowl record for only have one play from scrimmage inside the red zone be run. Uh, but that's yeah, the game that it was. Yeah, honestly, uh, like wrapping up the Super Bowl, uh, I think you know, at the end of the day, yeah, all of, all of that happens. And I always say who has more experience in these big-time games. And no one has more experience than the Pats. You know, honestly, golf played terribly. Just nothing was working for them on both sides. But, I mean, I guess the defense played well. But um, it was just, I think, I thought he was scared in some plays. I mean, that's just, in a, in a basic way to say it, um, it was just, it was, you know, that's Brady's, he gets there every single year, basically. So, I honestly thought there was a lot of inexperience on the Rams side as well. They haven't been there since, you know, oh one. so. That's what I took away from it, too. Yeah, great experience for a 24-year-old quarterback on that stage to get. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll be better for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to transition to next year, kind of. I just wanted to know your guys' thoughts. Uh, how do you guys think that – do you think Goff is going to be able to, to bounce back from this fully, or are we going to see the first few weeks of the season him being a little bit hesitant, or what do you guys think? Well, I don't cover – Golf personally, so it's hard for me to really right. test, you know, provide testament to what his, his mental makeup is, but um, you see how cool under pressure, generally, he's considered to be. Um, and his temperament, he, he just seems like a type of guy who doesn't get too low, and likewise doesn't get too high. And so I would say he's built to respond from this sort of a thing. It's not the first setback in his life, won't be the last. Um, I think he's done a good job thus far of you know, overcoming what he's faced, you know, because rough rookie season and the string of losses to start. I believe he played or started seven games, something along those lines as a rookie, and he lost all seven um, to end the year. So he's somebody who's shown great strides in a really short amount of time under Sean McVay, and you give them another offseason, another season together, you get Cooper Cup back, and, you know, you have another chance. And this is a dynamic offense during the regular season. You know, they were able to do enough to get past the New Orleans Saints and the NFC Conference Championship game, not to open up that uh, you know, that Pandora box or that box of just talking about that game. But um, <laughs> you know, they've they done enough to, to, to get to where he got to at, at age 24. Uh, he should be fine. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I want to get into a couple more things before we talk about the Raiders. Um, two news, uh, two breaking news things came out today. Kareem Hunt getting signed by the Browns and Kyler Murray deciding to commit fully to football. Um, we'll start with Kareem Hunt. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, he's extremely talented. And unlike Ray Rice, who was a bit older in his career, uh, when you are as talented as Kareem Hunt and as young as Kareem Hunt, 
you're going to get another opportunity. And I think many people would say, although I'm a little uncomfortable as I begin this uh, to make the distinction, but um, you know what, what Ray Rice did, um, I think in many NFL team size was a bit more difficult to get past than Kareem Hunt's situation. Again, I have to follow up by saying there's like concussions. We don't grade them. There's no grade one, grade two. It's just concussion. And what Kareem Hunt did, uh, he was suspended indefinitely. He was cut immediately by the Kansas City Chiefs uh, following the release of that video for a reason. I think when people saw that, yeah. uh, it was clear what needed to be done. Uh, that's not what this league is supposed to be about. That's not what any of you know our law or this country or what have you. Uh, that's not what uh, is acceptable. And so, um, nonetheless, the opportunity has, ar- has arisen, and it, he's from a football standpoint won't be part of the Browns to start the season. We anticipate a suspension to come. How long uh, that suspension will be, we'll see. Um, could it be six games, eight games, more? Uh, we'll find out. Yeah. But um, whatever it is that he's reinstated, uh, presuming that he does not commit a similar event that prevents that. Um, the, the, the Browns, from, from a pure football standpoint, are an exciting team. They're building. It's very clear which direction that arrow was pointed. And from a pure football standpoint, Kareem Hunt with Duke Johnson, with Chubb, I mean, that, that's a pretty darn good young backfield. Yeah, I'm just not I'm, I'm not sure uh, really – how Kareem Hunt is going to be able to fit into that offense. Obviously, you got you got Nick Chubb and Duke Johnson in that backfield. I just I don't know if you know. Obviously, he's going to have some sort of a suspension. I just don't know how, how long it's going to take for him to get involved and how many carries he's really going to get. Yeah, it's it's you know one of the situation where he's not going to probably be there week one. The Browns aren't counting on that, and so say he's active, you know, week eight, week nine, week twelve, whatever it may be. By that point, who knows what your backfield looks like? Uh, as a general right, manager, injuries, yeah. Yeah, as a general manager here in February, we're just trying to build the most talented, deepest roster that you can have. And in a one-year deal that is pretty, you know, pretty modest from a financial commitment standpoint, uh, you're just giving a guy a chance to you know, have a second go at the NFL after a really horrible, atrocious, embarrassing, awful, despicable mistake um, that, you know, he's not the victim. I mean, that woman is. And so um, no matter what she did to prompt it, um, there's just no excuse for, you know, my yeah. finger or, or foot on a, a woman. So um, as we go through this, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But, um, you know, he'll, he'll have an opportunity to redeem himself on the field, but obviously more importantly, off of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just feel like um, it was a bold move by the Browns considering their history the last God knows who, how many years. Just just terrible football. They're finally seeming to get their, their groove back. And I just don't know if it's going to be a huge distraction or not, but he's a talented player. Yeah, he's made, made a terrible mistake. It's inexcusable. But um, we'll just have to see what happens in the uh, beginning of the season. And uh, thoughts on Kyler Murray. I'll start off. Um, I mean, what is he, 5'9", 5'10"? He's lightning fast. Um, I just don't know. I mean, it's, it's a tough decision to make. And I feel like, you know, it, it's – it's is it, is it more of like a fame thing or is he just be- completely better at football? Um, I think maybe he made the wrong decision. Just I feel like just because he's in the moment, the heat of the moment. I mean, he won the Heisman, got to the, you know, semifinals. 
Uh, I just don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts on his decision today? Well, I know it's – I haven't been exposed to him too much. Uh, I try not to watch too much college football just because as an NFLB reporter, I, I, get, yeah. I would get burned out um, if I was to follow every game. If, if, you know, football's on Sunday. Football on Sunday is enough. Um, but exactly. I, I, right. by November – October, I, I'd be dead if I was following it very closely. So yeah. uh, I did see him in the National Championship game, and um, obviously he's a terrific athlete. Uh, there are probably some questions that he needs to answer um, just about you know how we looked in that game. Um, but um, moving forward, it's going to be about how he handles this process. I think a lot of personnel evaluators, although Kyler Murray says in a statement that he loves football and is fully committed to the sport, People are still going to want to hear that from him at the NFL Combine in early March when he'll be there. Uh, they want to, you know, kind of get a sense of just where his mental makeup is. Uh, the last time that people saw him very publicly was on Dan Patrick's show appearance, and he seemed really non-committal about just about everything, uh, whether he's going to be at his pro day, about the Combine, about, about every aspect of the NFL. And so um, that's probably something of an indictment on who's preparing them in this process, but uh, nonetheless, people want to get their hands on Kyler Murray and just kind of get a sense of oh, how he's wired. Um, it's obviously the, the height that you mentioned, 5'9", whatever it is that you'll measure at the combine, He uh, that, that does not help matters, um, but you know, people want to just be convinced that he can be a franchise quarterback, that he can exhibit durability, decision-making, make all the sorts of throws that he can make, uh, not be someone who's relying on his speed, because unlike you know, a young quarterback who's six foot five and an amazing athlete uh, who's relying on his legs. You know, it's it's one thing to deliver or to absorb contact at that size, but when you're five foot nine, you know, there's your ability to sustain force. Um, it, it might be under question. So he's got some questions that he'll need to answer. But um, if he handles okay. this process well, he can, he can be a first round guy. Yeah. Uh, I, final, yeah. Final thoughts on that, Nick. Before we get into the Raiders. Right. I, I just, I'm not one to speak for you know his baseball abilities because I've never seen him play baseball at all. I really don't know how he is in you know that side of his of his career. Um, but watching him in that in the college football playoff, the semifinal against Alabama, I thought for a large majority of that game, you know, Bama kind of had him had him wrapped up, had him contained, and I feel like I don't know if exposed is the right word but I just think that they kind of showed maybe a glimpse of what he's going to look like in the NFL against you know some better defenders look Oklahoma doesn't face too many great defenses you know overall and I just feel like he really struggled in that first half of that Alabama game so I just I I, my gut is telling me that he didn't make the right decision but obviously I can't speak for his how talented he is on the baseball I mean obviously he's talented the, the A's drafted him but it just feels like maybe this was the wrong decision. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll see. I'm sure somebody's going to draft him just off of, obviously, he's a Heisman winner. So he's got to have some talent. But I guess it's remained to be seen. Yeah. All right, let's move on, Nick. What do we got? Yeah, let's go into some Raiders talk. Um, I know about those guys. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. We, got an, we got an expert here on the Raiders. Um, first question Will Derek Carr bounce well, actually, back? Hey, Nick, Nick, before, before we start, so what do you do for the Raiders, Mike? Like, so, so I'm a, I'm a beat reporter. So I live in Oakland. I am a beat reporter for the newspaper in Las Vegas, uh, of course, the city that they are scheduled to relocate to in 2020. So 
Uh, I covered the Chargers for seven years in San Diego. Then when the team relocated in early 2017, that was about the time that the Raiders were approved to relocate to Las Vegas. Yeah. So the newspaper in Las Vegas was interested in having a beat reporter be in Oakland covering the Raiders, you know, traveling to all their games and attending all the practices and breaking news, writing feature stories and everything else that consummate, you know, that uh, encapsulates the beat reporter position. And then when the team moves, you move. So that's that's where that's the plan is. That's that's where I'm situated. Awesome. Yeah. So just going back to that question that I was uh, that I was mentioning, uh, Michael. Just what are your thoughts on on Derek Carr? Is he going to bounce back? And is he really worth that um, the price tag? I I'll take the latter question first. You know that price tag at the time. Five-year, one hundred twenty-five million dollar extension. Right. The richest quarterback contract in NFL NFL history. You look at where he stands now, and where when you project it moving forward, each year the salary cap grows sizably, and each year quarterbacks are signing historic contracts. His deal will seem to be a bargain in years' time. Argue, you could argue it today, certainly next year. I mean, it's it it isn't what. You know, the initial price tech shock, the sticker shock, I think will prove to fade over the course of time. I think it's just the nature of this increase in salary cap is that these deals are going to look a little bit funky, where obviously Derek Carr is not the best quarterback in the NFL. He can rattle off, you know, I, you know we all could rattle off a bunch of names of, of some guys who would deserve to be the number one paid quarterback in the NFL, but Derek isn't. He just was for a little bit of a time because that's the way it goes when the salary cap is increasing. So um, I think from that standpoint, uh, yeah, he's what, what he brings is worth it. Um, from will he bounce back, there's a lot to that. You know, this past season was his fourth and during his five-year career, his fourth season with a offensive, his fourth offensive play caller in, in five years. Right. So there's been a lot of instability there. You, when you have that, um, you know, it doesn't help matters as a young quarterback. There's also the fact that he lacks a lot of talent around him. The interior offensive line, right. on paper, is as good as it gets in the NFL between Kalechio Samuel at left guard, center Rodney Hudson, and right guard Gabe Jackson. Uh, but you had two rookie offensive tackles. You had injuries to really all three interior linemen. Gabe, uh, Rodney Hudson would battled through and, and was fantastic. Uh, deserved probably to be in the Pro Bowl. You could easily make that argument. Clutch Assembly missed a handful of games. Strike guard Gabe Jackson uh, suffered a, a partially torn pectoral muscle in week one in the first half against the LA Rams when battling Aaron Donald. And then later yeah. in the season, he suffers a fractured, uh, boy, it's been a while, but he was a fractured elbow. And, uh, and then, managed to finish that game before eventually being placed on season-ending injury reserve. And so um, all of that happening around him on the offensive line. And then Jordan Nelson, his inability to separate to the degree to which he could in the past, that was glaring. Um, he had some youth around them. They trade Amari Cooper midseason. Um, you know, just a, a number of, of factors, horrible yeah. field position, um, that if Derek Carr is, is going to have a bounce-back year, people might not notice if the personnel – is what it is, uh, at least what it was in 2018. So uh, to help Derek Carr, uh, the Raiders need to give him help and provide him stability. He'll have the stability in John Gruden, but you know, who's his number one wide receiver going to be? Is Jared Cook 
becomes an unrestricted free agent on March 13th, you're going to be back. Um, you know, what does the backfield look like? Marshawn Lynch is an unrestricted free agent. Doug Martin is an unrestricted free agent. Jalen Richard will be back. He's a, going to be a restricted free agent. Um, but there's all kinds of question marks around Derek Carr. So I guess when a Derek Carr question comes my way, I'm quick to deflect a number of other questions around this offense because I think you answer the Derek Carr question by answering some of those around him. Completely. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I didn't even know there were that many injuries this year. It's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, that leads me into my next question. So, their draft, so what are their picks looking like right now? They have a, they have a top 10 pick, obviously. Um, oh, yeah, so what's the draft looking like? Do you know what they're looking for exactly? Like their top priority? Yeah, so they have the number four overall pick, and that they got because they were terrible, 4 and 12. <laughs> and then they have a number 24 and number 27 overall selections, those because they dealt Khalil Mack to Chicago Bears and Amari to the Cowboys. And so ideally, when the Raiders made those trades, they hoped that those picks would be a lot higher than they were. But after making those deals, the Bears and Cowboys respectively did nothing essentially but win, uh, in part because they had now Mack and Cooper. So that's the situation, and Raiders will take their three first-round picks and, and be grateful for them. But they hope that would be a little bit more of attractive of a, a trio there on April 25th, and then on the 26th, the second round, uh, they pick up early. They pick early as well with the number 35 overall pick in the draft. Uh, so. Four picks in the top 35. A knee pass rush really doesn't matter if it's interior or edge, but edge is obviously glaring. Uh, Raiders only have one true defensive end on a contract for 2019, and that is rookie Arden Key, who's got to get a whole lot stronger, he knows, to turn all these almost sacks into actual sacks. So uh, he's got potential, but needs time to develop, and hopefully he's making the most of this offseason so he can close that gap. Uh, secondary has some question marks. Linebacker can get, get a lot better. Overall speed in the secondary on defense uh, is a spot which they can upgrade. And then on offense, uh, while they're, you know, running back is in a spot they're expected to address in the first round, but you know, maybe sometime later or in free agency before. Um, definitely wide receiver. Uh, we need to see where that is going to go. Uh, that's a huge question mark uh, in terms of Derek Carr's development is pairing him up with somebody adequate uh, now that Amari Cooper is gone. And then tight end, if Jared Cook isn't back, the Raiders are prepared to roll with some young guys that they have. Um, but So that probably isn't going to happen early, but then again, it could. Maybe late first or the second round, they need a right tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if they find a starter there at some point during the draft. So a lot of holes have pretty much said everything but quarterback. Ironically, that's where people are mock drafting Kyler Murray is perhaps they'll move on from Derek Carr in a year's time. I saw that, yeah. Kind of do the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes deal, but obviously it's totally different with Derek Carr. I mean, he's a lot younger than Alex Smith, and the Raiders just invested in them. Um, so I would anticipate that Derek Carr is the franchise quarterback in 2019 after the draft. I agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I hate to be negative, but uh, you pretty much just went through most of the positions defensively and offensively. I feel like that's kind of speaking to where the Raiders are uh, just right now as a franchise. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's basically an expansion roster on defense. Um, you can kind of take your pick and you can squint your eyes and say, oh, I, this could be good, but it requires some squinting. 
Um, the Raiders <laughs> do like their cornerback. Uh, they drafted in 2017, Garon Conley, right. first rounder. Uh, he certainly showed ability last season, but um, and, and you know Carl Joseph, a safety they drafted in the first round, 2016, he finished the year strong. So there are some pieces there, uh, but they're just they're really long ways away from being where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Now this offseason is critical because I mentioned the draft picks. They have a whole lot of money in for agency money. It can be a bit misleading when you look at the number of roster teams that they have. You know, it, it might seem less. Uh, you know, it, it, it's one thing to have 80 plus million uh, when your roster shaping up, but when you have so many holes that the Raiders uh, have, uh, 80 million dollars, if you're trying to lean on free agency, which is its own cautionary tale, um, it, it, it's that money can go by quick. And so it'll be interesting to see how the Raiders invest their money, uh, what positions, what players, uh, how much money do they really have too, when you consider cash it's one thing to have cap money it's another thing to have an owner who's prepared to exhaust his salary cap in order to be competitive and so uh, as we chat here right now we don't even know where the Raiders are going to be playing in 2019 right so there's just uncertainty around this organization on the field off the field and we'll probably know soon enough on where they're playing but uh, nonetheless uh, this is an organization that is interesting which is about you can ask for a writer uh, but it's um, there's a lot, a lot of work that John Gruden and Mike Mayock and others in the front office and coaching staff have to get this thing right. Exactly. And you just answered my question about the uh, where they're going to be playing next year. I'm sure there's rumors and stuff going around. But um, we'll wrap it up with uh, John Gruden. I completely forgot Mike Mayock got uh tied into their system, which I think is a great addition. But uh, we'll wrap it up with your thoughts on John Gruden's, you know, $100 million deal. Is that worth it so far? I mean, do you see uh, an upside with that? Yeah, we'll see. I think John Gruden has said something about players and said something about himself, uh, repeatedly about himself, that I think is very accurate. And he says, I've got a lot to prove. And John Gruden has a lot to prove. It's the real difficulty of evaluating John Gruden is that there are two John Grudens. There's John Gruden, the head coach, the guy who's preparing the quarterback, who's preparing the offense, who's helping script plays, who's calling plays, who's managing games, who's inspiring the locker room, who is you know, handling the day-to-day. That's John Gruden, the head coach. And John Gruden, essentially, is a de facto general manager, too. And so we're not just evaluating John Gruden in training camp and during the regular season, we're evaluating him in free agency. We're evaluating him in the draft, and uh, they're kind of two separate. You know, you have to you almost have to separate the two um, because John Gruden could be his uh, own worst enemy theoretically if he does you know, you know an amazing job coaching players who shouldn't be on his roster, or if he somehow has a roster that's talented but underperforming under him as a head coach. So it's kind of complex. But, you know, you look at what he did with what he had in 2018, uh, I thought there was a lot there. There was more than meets the eye. Uh, You you see the certain, uh, I would say, um, just real modernness, creativity, complexity to their offensive scheme. Uh, They were, I thought, at times... Uh, doing things that were as advanced as elsewhere in the NFL, including Sean McVay. And that sounds crazy, uh, and certainly the points don't reflect that. Uh, but when you turn on the film and you see some route combinations, certain designs, the way they involve Jericho, the way they do other things, 
he looked like a coach that was getting the most out of what he had, which is, as a coach, all you can do. So I, I thought there were certainly some encouraging components on film and the way that players fought for him. They had a number of opportunities to quit in 2018. Could have been after the Khalil Mack trade. Could have been after the Amari Cooper trade, which happened during practice. Amari Cooper literally just taken off the field. Players yeah. thought that he was traded until practice ended, and they got to the locker room and saw their news on their cell phones. And so uh, there were a number of opportunities for guys to cash it in. But again, the effort was always there. And so I thought John Gruden, the, the football coach, did his job. And it's way too early to evaluate the other John Gruden from a personnel side. I agree, yeah. There's a lot of upside for them, stuff I didn't even know. But um, we want to thank you one more time for coming on. Really appreciate your time, Michael. Thank you again. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was awesome, Michael. What a smart guy he was. Um, yeah, I mean, he told me a lot of things that I did not know. had no idea. I did not know they had that many injuries. Um, I thought it was just a flat season, you know, first year with John Gruden. But, um, you know, ton of upside potential. you got to have Derek Carr play better, like he said. I mean, he's just got to play better. But he'll get some weapons back. they got three first-round draft picks. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, you got to protect the offense. I mean, the offensive line's got to stay healthy. I think that's the main the main concern. I feel like with Derek Carr, he needs to stay on his feet. You know, obviously when when pressure's coming, that's when he's going to throw. You know, the interceptions. That's when he's going to turn the ball over. Exactly. Um, you got to protect him first, and I feel like that's just the case with most you know solid QBs in the NFL. As long as you protect them, and they have you know decent wide receivers around them, or some some weapons, um, then they're going to be successful. And, yeah, like you said, it's going to take a long time, and they are in a tough division, arguably one of the toughest. You know, you got Kansas City. Phillip Rivers is somehow playing better for some reason at the age of 38 or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll see what can happen, but uh, I'm excited to see what, what they can do next year. Uh, but let's get uh, wrap up with a few things he was talking about. Um, let's go back to Kyler Murray for a second. So I think he made the wrong decision. Like I said earlier, I don't know why he's playing football. I think it's this – know heat of the moment type of thing like he's just he's got this fame he kind of announced it at the super bowl on first take a couple weeks ago you know i'll decide you know when time when everything calms down but i mean everyone's still talking about him. i mean he was the heisman you know um i just think he should have stuck with baseball you're gonna get more money i know it's gonna be a longer ride because you're gonna have the minor leagues to go through and all of that but I don't know. I, I don't see – he's not the next Drew Brees. We're never going to see guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees again in our lifetimes. I, I just, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to have a guy who throws like six 5,000-yard seasons or however many Drew Brees has. And you're not going to see a guy win six more Super Bowls. I just don't know. And these guys are – I mean, top, Drew Brees is short, but Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, all the top guys, six four, six five, six six. It's like – I don't know. And what's my biggest belief? What's never going to change in football and that we've never seen change? Mobile quarterbacks being successful, except for a few, and I get it. There's the Russell Wilsons, but I don't even consider Russell. I mean, Russell Wilson throws the most he's, touchdowns. He's more of a pocket passer now. He's, he's kind of moved more into that. in the league than anybody every year. He's just a silent warrior. So, like, I don't know. I, I just don't see the upside for Tyler at all. Yeah, and I, I, I think another think- another concern is – the fact that obviously in football you're going to suffer a lot more injuries compared to a sport like baseball you know no contact at all you can have a much much more sustainable career it's much more profitable i mean we all know the money involved in the baseball is just insane just the contracts that they give out for nothing um i just don't know from that standpoint whether this was the right uh, you know the right decision 
maybe it was you know spurred by his father i'm not really sure it seems like you know uh michael was talking about it that interview he had on the on the dan patrick show that it was just kind of weird uh, yeah. i think he's a little bit confused on what he wants right now so i just i just feel like this is it's gonna backfire a little bit for him obviously i hope for the best i don't have anything against kyler murray like i don't think either of us do like he seems no, like he's a great talent, but I just I hope that like he actually thought this through and their family like really thought this through and like went through all the options went through all the options because it feels like it's kind of a spur of the moment type of thing. Yeah, I just I don't get it, and he resembles. I mean, he's, he was better than Johnny Manziel, I would say. I would think. I don't even know honestly, but um, obviously he's much more mature, and you know he thought about it. And he's not the guy to get in trouble or anything. I just, I just right. think he rushed the decision. And I get the combines in a month, but I mean, he could be in the A's organization right now, getting ready, possibly, you know, getting a. I mean, the A's actually played pretty well. I should think they made they made the wild card game against the Yankees or whatever. But I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we're just gonna have to see. I mean, yeah, we all know he's gonna run a four three, like fastest quarterback time ever, or something like that. And I, I just. Like, we already know what we're going to get out of Kyle Murray. He has a great arm, and he can run really fast. And he's a phenomenal athlete. Once again, don't get me wrong. I just think he should have played baseball. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's I just t- not a lot of upside for guys who are 5'9", at quarterbacks. Right, so. at this you know, at this point in the NFL, I totally agree. Let's move on to the Browns, though. We talked about them a little bit briefly earlier, about the whole Kareem Hunt situation. Um, yeah, but I just kind of want to ask you – What's what's the outlook for the Browns this year? Do you think they make the playoffs? Because I thought, I, I mean, last year we talked about it a little bit before the season started. Will the Browns, you know, get into the playoffs? And I, I, I kind of put the halt on that and was like, yeah, they'll probably go seven or nine. That was pretty pretty close to accurate. Um, do you think they kind of make jump jump over the hump and, and get into the playoffs this year? Well, well here's the thing. I'm going to go out on the limb here. I saw the breaking news today that he signed, um, and 20 minutes after I realized. All right, what are the chances that he's actually on the roster? Right, that's what I was like, kind of getting into what earlier. What is he really going to be playing for the Browns? And, you know, this is a team that you maybe want to play for now. They're not the joke of the league anymore, at least. Well, you know, I'll give it this year. Because, you, you know, every people have one-year runs all the time. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not even thinking about Kareem Hunt at this point. I'm thinking about Baker. They're developing running backs um, in their defense. And... Um, they need new wide receivers, but aside from that, uh, I think they can. I think the AFC North, they're going to put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands the whole season this year. He won the starting job. Joe Flacco's, they're going to have to get rid of him. And that's up to you to decide if you want or if you think Lamar Jackson is going to be successful. That's a mobile quarterback, uh, very talented, played really well the last you know half of the season and almost had a great comeback. Uh, in the wild card game, but uh, and then the piss, the Steelers are a mess. I think we can all agree on that. They're just right. an absolute mess, and you don't know what's going to go with go on with them. And everybody knows our favorite, the Cincinnati Bengals, could <laughs> be the worst team in the NFL. So um, you know, if it's if it's the Browns, if the Browns want to get to the playoffs, it's their year this year. Like, yeah. They really should be in the playoffs this year. Believe it or not, if Baker plays well which i think he will i think he's a great quarterback so yeah. yeah i think it all comes down to the afc north like you were saying i mean there's a lot of question marks in in pittsburgh with you know antonio brown and, and levy on bell so i just feel like there's just a lot of problems going on there maybe they move a couple of those guys and maybe it's kind of a down year for them but also big ben's getting towards the end of his career so who, who really knows i mean this it's it's kind of looking like they kind of need to start 
trying to get him his last ring before he heads out of the league. Um, they won't. He'll never get back. I just don't well, see it happening. But no, it, it's, it does seem that way, but I, I just feel like it, it kind of... Steelers. It is the Steelers. Yeah, it, it just seems like it's going to be dependent upon how the rest of the ASC North is you know plays out. I'm not the biggest believer in Lamar Jackson right now. I think he's still too young. Um, so I just feel like the wild card is definitely a possibility. I think that they can go 10-6. and six. Uh, I'm sure they don't have, you know, a terrible, terribly hard schedule. We'll see when that comes out. But uh, I think that the wild card is definitely a, a possibility if Baker can improve on the year that he, he had. Honestly, an offensive rookie of the year type of year, if, if not for Saquon Barkley. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Let's get into baseball. Um, Kyler Murray chose the NFL. That's all I got. But... That kind of sums up baseball, doesn't it? Yeah, that's baseball. All right, let's get in. Let's get to the NBA. Um, wow. Uh, 23-point blowout uh, for the Lakers by Philly. Um, you know, you, we were trashing LeBron on our account uh, last week, late last week, how he's quitting on his team. And then we see them go beat Boston. Rondo got a spark, got the first buzzer beater ever, one for 12. Never had a point in the last 10 seconds of a game or something like that, I think. Um, and then, and I was on the road, and then they just get wiped, just wiped by Philly. Well, thoughts on the inconsistency? At the end of the day, they, they have 26 games left. Like, that's not a ton of games. Is Are they going to... Are they going to do this? Are they going to find a way? I don't know anymore. Come on. Just think for a second who we're talking about here. We're talking about LeBron James, the guy who willed this Cavaliers team last year to the finals. And I I don't care about the injuries in the Eastern Conference. I don't care about Kyrie going down. I don't care about Gordon Hayward going down. At the end of the day, he willed that shocking team. I mean, that's the worst team he's ever played on, by far, to the finals. Well, maybe like the 05 no, this team was that team was statistically worse. There were stats on it. It was the worst team he's ever played on. But anyways, uh, we're talking about LeBron James here. He's not going to miss the playoffs. Okay, he's not Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan missed the playoffs. Don't know if you knew that. Oh yeah, uh, Michael Jordan missed the playoffs. Yeah, it's not that good. Uh, but LeBron's not going to miss the playoffs. Just mark my words. That's not a possibility. Look, you have the Clippers in the eight seed. Uh, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going through a rebuilding kind of process. They just traded Tobias Harris and and, uh, and Boban. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Kings there too. I, I, I'm not buying them. It's it's a little too early for them. Yeah. So it's LeBron, dude. Come on, you can't doubt LeBron. Yeah. They're gonna put it together. Of course, it's, there's some inconsistencies. I know, but the only problem is you're just getting wiped by teams, like destroyed by teams. Like they're not even playing. I mean, I know he's almost averaging like a triple double again. He's just. I mean, off, it, it was the second game in a row on the on the road. His supporting cast is so bad. They're terrible. Bad. Yeah, it's true, but you got to compare it back to Cleveland. If you can see what he did in Cleveland, he can do the same thing. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. They're not promising a a series win. I think he can win a playoff series, like the first round, unless they play the Warriors. (laughs) Um, Which they probably will. Which, yeah, they probably will. That's going to be a 4-0 sweep. But um, he's going to make the playoffs, dude. Don't don't be – come on, don't be stupid. All right, right, let's move on. Um, Do the Celtics suck? Honestly, I mean, you saw that Marcus Morris said something. You want to get into that? Yeah, I mean, Marcus Morris, you know, had a pretty bad quote. It seems like some bad things have been coming out of the media for the Celtics, you know, with involving Kyrie and now this Marcus Morris thing, saying that we're not having fun. 
it just, I mean, it just seems like not a good situation going on in Boston. Obviously, the fans were booing after they, they blew that big lead to the Clippers. Oh, my gosh. I mean, for, okay, first of all, I do have to say this. If you're a Boston fan booing the Celtics, I mean, what are you doing? You're still yeah. in the playoffs. The Patriots just won the Super Bowl. Boston won the World Series. I don't get why. Why are you mad? I, I just, first of all, I just don't understand that. But anyways, yeah. going back to the Celtics, um, Boy, yeah, they suck right now. I mean, they suck. They lost to this Lakers team. That's not good. That was literally just lost to the Pacers by about 40 points. Then they lost to the Sixers. 18, I, they they it, were up by 18, I think, in that game to the Lakers, too, by the way. Yeah. And, and uh, they lost to the six. Uh, the Lakers lost to the Sixers by what? What did you say? Twenty three. Uh, this was coming off of all the the trade rumors, and this is not a good time to for the Lakers. Like none of their players except for LeBron are playing that well, and the Celtics still found found a way to lose to them, like at home. So I think they do suck right now. Like, well, let me ask you a question: Is Kyrie the leader of this team, or is he what makes this team toxic? He's a de facto leader, like. He's a leader because he has to be, because this is what he yeah. wanted and like brought upon himself. But no, he's not a leader in any way. He doesn't know how to be a leader, and that's why he called LeBron. He, I'm sure he told LeBron, like, now I understand what it means to be a leader. And I just don't. Yeah. He's just not. I don't know if he's cut out for it at the end of the day. It's a lot about him too much. Right now, right now they're not the favorite, I would say, right? I mean, No, not at all. I, I think you look at the Raptors. They're a way better team. Uh, they just got Marcus Gasol. That's nice, a nice. solid veteran you piece. You want to repeat that? You want to repeat that? Come on, dude. You I mean, it's a solid piece. Dude. We're comparing the Raptors and the Bucks. I mean, come on. Oh We're not even going to talk I about have, the Bucks. I'm I just saying. Philly. I have failure, have Boston. Let's be real. Come on. I think Boston does have a chance if they can fix things. I think the Raptors do too. I really do. I'm I'm a firm believer in Kyrie. I mean, excuse me, Kawhi. Kawhi is not uh, DeMar DeRozan. Those two guys are not the same players. Well, yeah, Kawhi, Kawhi's good at basketball, so right. I, I agree. DeMar DeRozan, you know, isn't and is owned by LeBron James. So I, I feel like those are two different, you know, completely different conversations. And Kawhi is an actual, you know, leader on the court, by example. And I think Toronto has a really solid team that maybe with this new leader, they can actually finally put it together. I think it's going to come down to Toronto, Philly, or the Celtics if they can put it together. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I, I guess. We're just going to have to see what happens. I mean, it's, it's it's the NBA, so and it's the Eastern Conference. So Right. Okay. Does it really matter at the end of the day who comes out of the Eastern does, Conference? Does no. what we're talking about for the last five minutes? Not really. At all. No, because you know, at the end of the day, those guys over in Oakland, Golden State, yeah. they're going to win it all. Because yeah. why would you believe anything else? For the people that don't believe the Warriors are going to win this year, like you need to like go to like get help or something. Like, yeah. The Warriors are winning this year, and we all know it already. Yeah, we already know. Well, good luck, Toronto, in Milwaukee. I, <laughs> it'll be fun to watch you guys. Losing, losing five in the finals. Yeah. Well, let's get on with it. Our uh, favorite time of the year uh, of the of the podcast. What am I saying? Um, <laughs> our award show. Uh, and you came up with a. Uh, it's a shortened list this week because we're still kind of up with a new a uh, couple more awards. But uh, you have a new one, Nick. You want to start it out? Ask me. I do. Um, this is a new award that I came up with this week. Um, just, you know, going on Twitter a lot, seeing some really interesting takes from some media people. I, I thought this would be a fitting award. So this award is called the Irrelevant Media Guy of the Week. So we're going to start it off with the nominees. Brendan, the first nominee, Frank Isola. 
Second, we have Jason Lock and Fora. Of course. Third, we have Max Kellerman, of course, one of our favorites. And fourth and and finally, we have Ken Rosenthal because he's a reporter for baseball. Well, these are all really great ones. As you know, I, I hate sources. I, I can't stand sources. Um, they're the worst. Okay, well, uh, I don't care. What source did you get it from? Oh, Kevin Durant's going to leave per source. Oh, what source are you going to get it from? So um, I love this award. Uh, this is a great award. But a um, lot of great nominees. But come on now. It's Frank Isola. I mean, this guy's Okay. He's on, he's on that show. What's it called? Um, Around the Horn. Around the Horn, which is <laughs> probably the worst show I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Just some guy pressing buttons. Right, just subjective opinions. But I have Frank Isola for the sole purpose of this. I'm going on his Twitter earlier, and I found a couple tweets that he had. Pelicans uniforms resemble the Seattle Supersonics. They may be onto something, if you know what I mean. (laughs) What does that mean? What is the point of this tweet? (laughs) What is that? What is that? Oh, Oh, we got one right before there. How dare the Pelicans not trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers? This league needs to investigate this immediately. Well, there's not a lot of investigation. It's just not going to happen. He's trying to be sarcastic there, and it's just not working for him at all. I just His tweets are just, they just don't mean anything. It's just words spewed onto, you know, a page. <laughs> and last one. Is there any way the Lakers can blame this on Jim Buss? Oh, wait, I forgot about Luke Walton. My bad. Well, thanks, Frank. I, I just—I don't want to read this. Inside the mind of Frank Isola. Yeah, so I got Frank Isola probably just because I just can't stand that guy. When he talks on that stupid show, I just want to throw a rock at my television. So <laughs> I, I got Frank this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. That, that's a, that's a good that's a good uh, that's a good take. Um, I'm gonna go with. Man, this is this is really tough. This is really tough. But you know what? I'm actually gonna go with Ken Rosenthal. Just on the sole basis that he reports for baseball. Okay, first of all, name one thing that's happened in baseball free agency in the past, like, two months. Like, I don't know what's happened in the last 40 years in baseball, so inform me. N- nothing. Like, <laughs> Boston won this year and nothing happened since then. Like, Bryce Harper, where is he going? Ken, you want to tell us maybe? Uh, apparently not because he has no reports or anything. So, yeah. yeah, he's going to win my Irrelevant Media Guy of the Week just on the sole basis that he reports for baseball and literally nothing has happened in that sport in the past month. Well, that, you know what? I respect that decision. Great, great nomination. Um, I just want to let you know, for the people listening, this is a rare time in this podcast history. Max Kellerman was up for nomination and didn't win. And did not win. This is a rarity. This is a rarity. So I'm just keeping you posted. I'm sure he'll be back next week, you know, and one of us will take him. Absolutely. All right, well, we got to do last but not least. This one's going to stay because for the hate we have for this this organization. USC, the USC Scrub of the Week. And, beautiful, uh, beautiful award. I'll, I'll list you off. Um, Mark McGuire. Oh, I wow. don't know who that is, but he went to USC. John David Booty. <laughs> Unreal. Quarterback, quarterback, USC in 2000-whatever. Clay Helton, head coach of USC, who went three, four and whatever this year. And last but not least, Sam Donald. Automatic nomination mm-hmm. every week. Oh, of so course, every week. Push. Yeah, uh, a lot of great nominees. John David Booty, that's that's a fantastic one because his last name literally is what he did in the NFL. He was just Booty. Um, but, you know, I'm going to keep with the baseball theme today. You know, I went with Ken Rosenthal. I'm going to go with Mark McGuire now. I mean, the guy admitted... Wanna, the guy, explain who Mark McGuire is? 
What he's known for is taking steroids. The guy admitted to taking steroids. That's basically what his career is known for. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, it's not a surprise at all, at all that he went to USC because I'm sure they, you know, encourage that type of behavior over there at that exactly. horrible, horrible place. Um, so, yeah, today I'm going to go with Mark McGuire, keep up with the baseball theme, just total irrelevancy. Yeah, that's a good pick. I didn't even know who he was about an hour ago, but thank you. Uh, great pick, you know, Royds, you know, the whole league does not whatever. That's true. That's why it's baseball. Uh, I'm going to go with John David Booty this week. I was, we were making this list earlier. I didn't know who Mark McGuire was, and you didn't know who John David Booty was. And so, John David Booty was a quarterback, I believe, before Mark Sanchez, who was so-called, <laughs> quote-unquote, best quarterback in the nation, as every USC quarterback is. Yeah, no, they're not, uh, for proof. Uh, but I knew with John David Booty. And then you went on and told me he played in the NFL. I didn't even know he played in the NFL. I didn't even know he made the NFL. Yeah, he, he played for the Vikings, Vikings, apparently, the per Vikings. sources. Uh, yeah, per sources, he played for the Vikings. I don't think he ever took a snap. So... That's my guy this week. Another quote-unquote greatest quarterback in the nation for yeah. USC down the drain. Come on. it's I mean, every year, every single USC Kiwi that comes out, oh, he's going to be great. Oh, Sam Darnold's going to be great. Oh, John David Booty's going to be great. And then they're on their Mark Sanchez is going to be great. And then, and, then, they're on their in four years. and then Mark Sanchez runs into a guy's butt, and that's yeah. what he's known for. Yeah, um, yeah great nominations. We're going to have more awards next week, three or four. Um, we're going to get that fixed. But once again, shout out to Michael Gelkin for coming on. Uh, very smart guy, and we'll have him on back soon, hopefully. Yeah, big thanks to Mike. Obviously, a great guy, and um, really appreciative for him him coming on the show. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more great awards, some more great sports talk. See you guys next week.